Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. What's up, breasties? With the best, we were just talking about breasts before we turned the mic on. <laughs> we were just talking about breasts, too. Did you know? I, I did not know this. Our friend got a mammogram and it ruptured her implants. And literally, I just got my first mammogram last year. I'm like, okay, I'm 40, got to do this thing. And um, I was thinking, like, ooh, I feel like they're going to pop these bitches. And sure enough, it happens. So I'm Damn. never doing that. I'm never doing that again, not with implants at least. And I know they say it's important, but. There's non non smashing ways to get your tits squished, which like you could do an MRI or an ultrasound. But now she's got to do a whole surgery because they ruptured her implants. So anyway, PSA to all of you with implants: get an MRI for your boobs instead of a mammo. Wow, because that's scary. It's so weird to me that like we can have advanced medical technology and then literally like you could just break your tit by like squeezing it too hard. <laughs> like, I mean, it makes sense. It's like just physics, but like. Okay. I have so many questions too. I should, I should ask her, but I mean, I'm just going to pose these questions to the universe, which I could probably also Google. But one is the mammogram responsible for the new surgery. I would be like, okay, you guys are paying for this because you broke my boobs. Totally. Uh, um, but two, if this is a common occurrence, which according to her, it is, and probably she's been looking it up since it happened to her then why do they suggest women with implants do something else instead of just so many things? Just cure. I mean, they, they asked me if I had implants and I said yes, but there was it was just kind of like an okay, check the box kind of thing. Let me ask you this. Do you think that now, because I feel like maybe our generation is the first generation of people to like really, like a lot of people have implants, like at our age, yeah. do you feel like maybe just now, like we're just seeing more people with implants? I mean, I know older folks have them as yeah. well, but like I feel like our generation is the first one that was like pretty routine. Like a lot of people have them. It's pretty normalized. I mean, obviously I live in LA and you live in Vegas. Like yeah. it's pretty normalized in these two spots, but like maybe that they just didn't think of it until like, you know, these last couple of years because we're all turning 40. I don't know. It's actually a, it's actually a really good point. Maybe there's no They're protocol like, in place. Yeah. And yeah, enough people. They're gonna start. They're gonna have to start having a new. Totally. A new what thing. about a um? What about a butt MRI? Because there's no butt mammograms. But... Oh. <laughs> I just heard. Can you that. have a butt MRI? I just heard that BBLs have overtaken uh, oh, breast yeah. augmentation for like the most requested yeah. surgery. I guess well worldwide. It, yeah. If people start getting um, ass cancer. But not like in the ass, but actually no, like of the glute, the gluteus maximus gluteus. cancer, gluteus cancer. Then I'm sure they will have to do buttogram, but bumogram. I don't know what glutograms, bumograms, glutograms, where you get your butt smashed in the in the oh my gosh smashers. Some anyway, of those butts are, are like just they go. They're like shelves. I'm like you could literally you could probably put those right into a panini yeah. machine. That's kind of <laughs> what I picture. Like just stick your butt the, in a panini. Press. That's basically what a mammogram <laughs> is like a panini. It's like a it's a titty panini, which <laughs> like a titty panini. Oh, oh the things we have to go through. And you know what? Like speaking of medical things that women have to go through, I recently had two weeks ago a uterine biopsy, and that was hands down the most painful medical procedure I have ever had done. I 
I cursed out the doctor. Her name, she's actually not a doctor. She's like an AP or PA uh, nurse. Uh, yeah, something. And every her name was Jacqueline. Everyone was like, oh, you're going to see Jackie. So I don't have a first name basis with her, but they kept saying that. So then I'm, she's going down there. She tells me what she's going to do. And then I start, I was like, motherfucker, fuck you, Jackie. <laughs> And luckily she's laughing and she's like, it's a good thing they know outside what we're doing in here. But she told me that that was like the meanest procedure they do. But holy balls, that is painful. And I got it back. Results are fine. Everything's good. But man, being a woman is really hard. Like I don't know if men could even handle a fraction of – I don't even think they could handle just like the annual shit we have to they, do, let alone – wouldn't be able to handle a period. I mean, let's be honest. No. It's just like Ugh. every time you turn around, there's something else you've got to do. Know. You know, especially at this age, it's just like there's so many things. It's like every time you turn around, you like, got to get your blood labs done again. It's like got to get them rechecked, got to do – and it's like yeah. a year goes by so fast too. And I'm like, fuck, it's already that again? I know it. It's a dental cleaning. It's a full-time job. These errands. <laughs> it's a full time. I know. I got to go to the dentist. Something's happening with my teeth. And I'm like, oh, oh boy, no. here we go. Because every time you go, you know it's like $10,000. And you're like, All I right, know it. God damn it. I know. <laughs> it's hard to live, y'all. I know. It's hard to just be keeping a human. Up, keeping up the maintenance of this machine. Right. Here. Not to mention the elective. <laughs> surgeries that I'm probably going to be doing at some point. I know. Well, that's the problem. I'm trying to save all my money for the elective things and then I got to take care. Of- <laughs> I'm like, shit, I got to, I got to do all the elective surgeries. And then in the meantime, I got to do the ones that like just to keep the machine running. So anyway, speaking of, um, well, aging, Actually, a couple of things, but I saw uh, Charlene Johnson put a post up. I think you sent it to me and a couple other yeah. people sent it to me too. And it was really cool. I just, I, I find her so inspiring. We've had her on the podcast. She's amazing. And um, she just posted about like, you know, people have these misconceptions that as you get older, like things get worse. And I thought it was really interesting. One of the stats she shared was that people, I don't know if she got the stat, but she said people cite their happiest in life in their early thirties and their late fifties. And I thought mm-hmm. that was so interesting. Like, I feel like, I don't know, it's like, that seems so random. But anyway, she's in her, what, mid-50s? And she just had yeah, this, I think and it 54. was like a video of her like twerking and like, it was just, just wearing like a mini skirt. And it's just like so cool to see that the, I always just feel so grateful for people like Shalene because someone has to go first. Like someone yeah. has to be leading the pack. Someone has to be out in front where maybe it's not, you know, of course, I'm sure she got tons of comments, especially from, I hate to say it, but men who were just like, you know, put some clothes, like just all the things, right? You just know that something like that, especially well for women like us, it's like, that's inspiring for other people. It's like, you shouldn't be doing that. Like maybe just, I don't know. It's to me, it just, I just love seeing it because I just feel like, why do people care? Just do whatever. As you're getting older, make yourself feel, aging feels bad enough. <laughs> like just yeah. do things that make you feel good. And if you want to wear it, wear it. If you want to twerk, twerk. If you want to dance and you want to get Botox and you want to do all those things and just fucking do it. What's the big deal? Who cares? I know it. It feels like at that point, you're like, my life is on the other side of totally. the, you know, of the hill. So like, let me do what the F I want to do. You know what's so funny is I always and thought it, it was such a funny saying when someone said like, you're over the hill, but they, people were like, oh, like 40 seems so young. But I was like, if you think about it, the average lifespan of a woman is 76. We're technically middle-aged. You know, I was thinking mm-hmm. about middle-aged being like, you know, 50s, 60s, whatever. Now I'm like, oh no, it actually is like technically yeah. is it. It's yep. all downhill from here. However, <laughs> downhill. that phrase can be taken either way. 
right? It's all downhill from here. It's like, oh, it's getting, it's going to get better from here. Like it's all easy street from here. Yeah. Or it's all downhill from here means everything's getting bad. I think leave it up, up to interpretation for the listeners. I want to take that it's all gets e- getting easier. I agree. Although that's not true for me just yet, but. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Just, I mean, a lot of things are easier. It's like interesting working with clients that are older too, because they don't like, especially when it comes to nutrition and physique stuff and whatever, they just don't, they're not like, I'm trying to have a six pack. They're like, I'm not trying to have a six pack. I'm not trying to get like super shredded. I just like want to feel good. I'm like wake up in the morning and like feel good. And like, it's funny. I remember talking to some, you know, my older friends when I was in my thirties, my, my early thirties, like late twenties. And they would just say like, I just don't like feel good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even, I couldn't understand what I'm like, you have a stomach ache, you have a headache. What, like what mm-hmm. exactly? And I'm like, I've had those mornings where you're just like, yeah, I don't like feel great. And it's not like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like an energy thing or not all the time, but every once in a while, I'm like, I get it now. Yeah. People just want their clothes to fit. They just want to like not feel like frumpy. They want to be able to wake up and feel vital. Like I think that's the word. The word is like, I want to feel vital. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, ironically, we're going to talk about the holidays today and navigating them. And I feel like this actually fits in because we've talked about this over the last five years. We've kind of had a topic similar to navigating the holidays. But as we've gotten older, I feel like navigating the holidays has even shifted because I I know a lot of times what comes up during the holidays is family comments about your body or what you're doing or your choices in life. And kind of when we started this podcast, maybe closer to mid thirties, late mid to late thirties, I should say, but, um, you know, we were in different places in our lives and maybe even felt a little more um, judged on where we should be in life. And I feel like to this point about the aging and giving less fucks is also giving less fucks about what your family says. Totally. And I think maybe in a way, a lot of our families start to go, well, it's too late for them now. Like maybe the things that they thought, you know, they were pressuring you, at least I feel like this in my early thirties, my mom was really pressuring me to have a baby. And then by the end, she just stopped. She's like, well, I, it's not going anywhere. So now I'm going to give up. And I think maybe at this point, if you've been listening to the podcast for as long as we've been recording for the last like, like six, seven years, um, is some of these things that used to be an issue are hopefully no longer an issue or they're starting to shift and change. Or if you've listened over the years and have done some of the hard conversations that things are getting uh, better for you, hopefully mm-hmm. knock on wood. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting. I, I agree with you with that. It's, um, and my mom was sort of the same way. Like when I was married, she was like, when are we going to have, like, she was kind of like more like not pressuring me, but would just make comments. And then once I got divorced, it was kind of like, okay, probably not, you yeah. know? And then there was a moment, I don't think I've talked about this in the podcast. There was a moment like right when I turned like 40, like right when I was about to turn for like that summer where I had a conversation with Keith and I was like, I don't actively want children. But also, like, the window is closing. So if you ever wanted to have a child with me, like, it would now kind of, like, we have to make that decision kind of now. We At mm-hmm. that point, we had been together for, like, three years or so. But I remember bringing it up to my mom at that time. And I said, can I talk to you about this? Because I, like, don't know, like – I'm feeling this way, not because I think I actually want a child. It's this weird feeling of like FOMO, but also like not because I know myself and I know I wouldn't regret, of course. And then she, when I I explained it to her and she goes, are you punking me right now? (laughs) And I was like, oh, no. And then so we had that conversation, but that's the last she's heard of it. And of course, we did not decide to move forward with that plan. But it was a weird feeling. I don't know if anyone's had that experience where you're like, I don't want this, but you're also like the fact that it's being taken away. You have mm-hmm. that moment of like, do I though? Even though like literally everything in my bones was like, absolutely not. But it's just more of a FOMO thing, I guess. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's like, are you punking me? Because I don't want to get too excited over this. Now it's like more like JOMO, the joy of missing out. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure children are amazing. But I, I thought it was uh, – I thought that was interesting. But yeah, the holidays are interesting. I think it kind of comes back Dan, – Danny Coleman was on the podcast a few weeks ago and we had a conversation around how to um, build close relationships with your family members. And so I feel like this also relates to like your desire to want to go to the holidays. You know, mm. when I think about it, when you have a better relationship with the people in your family because you've actively worked on it and I have a theory on like how you could make it like better, but you actually want to go. And I think a lot of it comes down to feeling like you can be yourself. At least for mm. me, I think we, when you have that transition from child parent relationship to more peer to peer relationship. Like they, you know, you're doing stuff, they're doing stuff. They're not trying to lecture you or trying to, you know, uh, teach you stuff or whatever. It's like, you still want to go to your parents for support and for, you know, advice if they're the kind that would give it, but you don't want to feel like you're 15. And if you can transition your relationship with your parents into one where it's mutual respect, where they don't see you as a child, where they listen to you and you listen to them. And it's like, just, there's a mutual respect there you can be yourself. And that's when things get fun. You're like, I love seeing my parents because I, they're fucking cool and they're cool with me doing what I do. And like, there's no weirdness there. And I feel like for a lot of people, a lot of people have great relationships there. I feel like especially women, like we kind of grow into that. Like, okay, you either have a really great relationship with your mom as you age mm -hmm. or you don't. But I think there's an opportunity there to kind of, in using things like Thanksgiving or the holidays or Christmas or whatever, using these opportunities to maybe just push the envelope a little bit, like pull back the curtain, like a little bit more and just show them who you are. Like that's, I feel like that's number one, a gift. And number two, it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have to be someone I'm not when I'm around yeah. you, because when I do, I don't want to be here. And I think most of our parents would be devastated if they heard us say, we don't want to fucking go because we don't feel like we can just be ourselves, you know? And so I think that's a process. I know I've definitely over the, the last several years really kind of pulled back the curtain on that and be like, all right, like I'm going to show them a little bit more about who I am and, and the things that I do and really own that. And I think when you do that, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, what, when we were talking about my mom and I going to Vegas and wearing the the short dresses, but I think there's so much value in, in service and showing them who you are, because then you actually want to show up to Thanksgiving or you want to show up to Christmas and you're not stressed about them. Like, okay, here come the judgment police. And all of a sudden I got to be someone I'm mm. not. And no one likes that. And so I think you got to rip the bandit off. You want them to treat you like an adult. You kind of have to just show them who you are and just let the chips fall. I love that. I, I think it's so true. You do have to rip rip off the bandaid and show them that you're adult. And I also think that one way to do that is by opting out. <laughs> and I'm really big on if it feels like too much pressure, if it feels like just too much of whatever. I think for some people, for whatever reason, the pressure is always to travel to someone else. And so you're always the one who has to bear the brunt of the travel, the the cost and all that because you're always going to their house and they're not coming back. I think it's okay to opt out of those things and just say, hey, let's meet up another time during the year because it's just too much for me. I think that there's a lot of guilt that comes along mm -hmm. with the holidays and trying to show up and be there um, with your family. And it's not even that your family is not fun or bad. And I've I've been, I have been one of those people who just has hated holidays with my family and not necessarily because they're always the worst, but I just don't have the best time with them. And yes, to your point, a lot of times it's because I couldn't be myself. Um, and then there's been other reasons in different times that it's just, 
it's it has a lot of um, emotional baggage from the past that I feel like never really was worked through. And and then it depends on who else is going to be there. Remember, there was one year um, after I had been living with my grandmother for a year with dementia, my marriage had ended and it wasn't because of my grandmother, but there was a lot of just negativity around that. And and she she had been really nasty to me and to both of us. And that Christmas, um, like six months later, my mom goes, are you going to come home for Christmas? Grandma's going to be there. And I'm like, oh, definitely not then. <laughs> like if grandma's coming, I am not coming. And it really depends on who's there sometimes. And it's not, yeah. it's just that grandma was struggling and I just was like, things are too soon for me. And this is just not where I want to be for my own mental health. So I think it's also really important to be able to say no, put up boundaries without, you don't have to give lots of ex- explanation. You don't have to share it's because I don't like you or you guys are boring or you're the worst or I can't handle your politics or whatever. And, and maybe you can't have those conversations at another time, but it's also okay because you're an adult. We're all adults to have our own holidays to say, you know what? I'm just going to spend it with my family, meaning my own partner or myself and my dog, like whatever your family sure. is, even if you're alone and you have your friends in your neighborhood and you have like a Friendsgiving or friends for Christmas, I think it's really okay to do that too. Because we we don't all have uh, really great relationships. And it's also just a lot of a lot of pressure. It could be a lot of financial pressure or even flipping it back and saying, hey, I'm really not down this year to go there, but would happy to have host you know, at our house this year if you guys can make it. And if they can't, then you just leave it as is and, and be okay with it. Yeah. I know it's like, and I'm glad you mentioned the financial stress because I feel like just the flights and stuff are just so much more expensive around the holidays too. So it's like, yeah. gosh, do we really need to do it like right on Thanksgiving? So that's actually right. what we're doing this year is we're going a little bit early because of Keith's work schedule, you know? So I was like, Hey, I could actually, I could come for actual Thanksgiving or we could come a little bit early and he could come too. And I was like, why do I need to be there for like actual Thanksgiving? You know, it's just, it feels yeah. a little odd to me, especially because they're retired and they don't have anything else on their schedule. And like, I work from wherever. So yeah, it's just, and I agree with you. I think it's okay to say tool, like, let's find another time throughout the year. That's why we started Christmas in July with our dad. It was just way too many families, you know, where yeah. uh, my parents are divorced, my uh, siblings' parents are divorced. And it was just like too many places to be. And there's a lot of pressure of like, and you do feel bad because you're like, am I choosing one family member over another? And so, you know, I think you have to do a lot of um, a lot of compromise, but also a lot of communication. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Danny Coleman said on the episode he was on was something that I had said um, to my dad, actually, when we were sort of transitioning from like parent to child into more of like a friendship. Early in my 20s, I kind of had to have a boundary. And I remember saying to him, um, you know, I love you, but I'm not doing that. Or it doesn't mean I don't love you, but I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. so you have to be able to say that and then, and then just hope that the person can, you can never control how they're going to take it. But I think it's okay to explain this isn't about you. And it's unfortunate when, when you do have family members who do take it personally, you know, they take it as like, oh, you don't want to go out of your way for me. Or if you cared about me, you would do this. And so I think you have to have the conversation of like, I love you, but this is a lot and it has nothing to do with you. And it would be, and I would really appreciate if you didn't take it personally, because I would love to see you. Of course, we always have a great time, but this time of year, things are just too hectic. I know like a couple of years ago, I was kind of feeling that I was like having a ton of work stuff in November. I just canceled my Mm -hmm. trip to see my mom and my stepdad at Thanksgiving. And they were totally understanding. I was like, I love you. Let's find another time. 
but like, I just can't get away for four days and fly across the country. And so I agree with you. I think being able to have that conversation is a very adult thing. You know, I think a lot of people don't talk. They just are like, I'm not coming or they try they lie about something, you know, I'm just like, don't fucking lie. Just say it's a lot. Or, you know, like we don't have the resources this year. Let's pick another time. Flights are super expensive. And I, I wish I could be there. Like, it's okay to just have that conversation, then trust the person can receive it. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I just started doing some, some of my old find the money stuff again. I did a workshop recently and I remember there was a gal in my find the money project who had a couple siblings, but she was the only one without kids. And so because she didn't have kids, she was the one who was always wow. traveling to the other places. And it felt like to her, like, just cause I don't have kids means I have to pay to come, which of course she could see. And I could see, of course, if you're flying with a family of four versus, you know, a single person, but it also felt a little unfair because it was always, she had to leave her home and her, Mm. you know, pets at home and and come to the family. And so, you know, I said, you don't have to, you know, it's, it's a good, it's completely up to you. Or there's maybe you can ask someone for help on that, or you can just say, Hey, this year I'm going to stay home with friends. Because if you're the one who always has to travel to the East coast from the West coast or vice versa, it feels like a lot and it is. And I think it can be a big burden on some people and feel unfair. And it makes sense. You know, there's some, for some people it is easier to travel. It's easier for me and Jeff to travel than my brother with his six kids. I'm not going to have him fly eight people to visit us. However, it just means we're probably going to see each other a little bit less because it's just not, it just doesn't feel fair that we have to be the one doing it every time. And again, it's back to communication and it's not about you. And also when we're adults, especially if we're in partnership and a lot of our parents are divorced. So now it's not just two families, it's four families. And then you multiply that. Now you have eight families and there's just a lot of people and you really just have to decide, are you trying to make everyone around you happy or you just want to keep some peace? And I think everyone can figure out what they need to do and figure out their holidays and make it so that they enjoy it. And it hasn't even, it's only been the last, since I've known you and spent more Uh, holidays with your family that I've really enjoyed the holidays because for me, I was always stressed out about it and who I was going to go to and where we were going to stay. And actually when we, when I was married, we kind of decided that we would do our own thing and go on vacation during the holidays. So that way we wouldn't have to choose. We're like, no to you, no to you. We're going on our own. And then we could come back and see people when we wanted to. And that felt really good for us. But then going through my divorce, I was kind of like, I'm alone. I don't know what to do here, you know? And it was weird to just suddenly show up at my family events alone. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of emotions that can bring up, I think, to loss during the holidays. Mm. You know, I, I was told, um, you know, after losing my mom, people said some of the hardest times are the holidays. And for me, it wasn't super difficult. There wasn't a lot of emotion around them, but I can see how it can be for a lot of people. Or if you lose someone during the holidays, November, December, it's really tricky. And that's every year that's a um, like a reminder, an anniversary of the loss mm-hmm. and the grief. So I understand that those times can be really hard because that's a lot of the times when people do gather and you can feel that person is not there with you and they're, they're missing. And so mm-hmm. all this to say, communication, really big on self-care and, and making sure you are all right and you're not um, bending over backwards to try and make everyone happy and try to see everyone at the expense of betraying yourself and what you really want and need. Oof. So good. Byron Katie always says, um, a dishonest yes is a no to yourself. 
And I love that because so many of us will just be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I can do it. And then, and then we end up resentful and complaining and exhausted. And like you said, and you're just like, why the fuck did I do that? And, you know, it starts mm-hmm. to get to the point or it can get to the point where like the benefits don't outweigh all the other stuff. You know, there's times where you do want to go above beyond because it's like going to be so fun or you like you just can't wait to do it or there's somebody's plan. But yeah, sometimes it can just feel like, gosh, I just need a year off, you know, and yeah. I think it's okay to negotiate that too. Like, hey, it's every other year. I come every other year. Then everyone kind of yeah. knows, okay, like now this is a compromise. This is feeling like a compromise. Back to like, sort of being the first generation to sort of deal with some of these these things. You know, when I grew up, my entire extended family lived in Boston and they still all live in Boston. So for them, it's really easy to all get together every holiday because they're all right there. I think this is the first generation, our generation, where people do live literally all over the country. Your brother just moved to Montana. Like, I mean, there's just so many, like people are all over the place. So it's, I think we have to have some grace and communication around a lot of this stuff and really just commit to doing what's best for us and our family. And then just hoping that if these are real true loved ones, that they will get it, you know? And so there's, there's definitely a lot of things there. I, I also wanted to bring up two other things, which Thanksgiving being a food holiday. And I know we have a lot of women in the fitness industry and a lot of people end up in the fitness industry due to their own struggles with food, eating disorder, eating disorder recovery. And then also recently I shared about my year being sober and being around alcohol. And this is a time, a huge time for food and for alcohol. And this is a time too, where if you're struggling with those things, it can really, really be triggering and scary to figure out how you're going to manage um, showing up to events, even if it's like holiday parties for work and there's alcohol around there, um, and just being around all kinds of food. And maybe when you're around family and you're stressed and then, then there's the food stuff and maybe them even bringing stuff up about your past. I think those are things you have to, like, this is a great time to be maybe in therapy and talk through a therapist of how you're going to navigate if you're going to show up in these scenarios or maybe a conversation with your partner about what you need. If you have like a, a safe word to, to leave early. You know, I know there's been so many times and I'm sure you've had this too, Jill, where you you like make the plan with your partner before you go in. You're like, okay, we're only staying until eight o'clock. And then suddenly it's like nine 30 and you're like, why the fuck have we not left yet? Like I need to get out of here. And so there's a lot of conversations maybe that need to be happen that need to happen ahead of time on like, Hey, we need to get in and out, or this is what I need. We're going to, you know, how are we going to navigate this? Um, if there's too many drinks or if people are passing things to me and I'm comfortable, I'm uncomfortable, like maybe we can like say I'm not feeling good and we got to go, but having some kind of a plan going in so that you feel safe and okay going through the holidays and not feeling like you're going to relapse or it's going to spiral you down someplace you don't want to be that you've been before. I think these are also things we have to talk about and recognize as the holidays come up. Mm-hmm. No, it's so good. And I'm glad you brought that up too. You know, I think the food thing, especially there's a mindfulness practice that I think, you know, and I'm sure the same thing with drinking too, but you know, there is sort of a mindfulness, but don't ever feel bad about having to leave somewhere because you're just like, this is just, it's getting to be too much. And mm-hmm. my willpower, you know, for whatever, like I just, I can't keep like, and, and again, people need to understand that. 
And I feel like, especially with the alcohol, that can be specific, like really tough for someone who is sober or is not drinking because not only are you not drinking, so you feel like, okay, I'm already like kind of on the outskirts, like I'm not participating, but you also then feel like people give you shit for it, right? Then they're mm-hmm. like, wait, you're not drinking. And because they want, because they want to feel better too. Like they think that if you're drinking more, you're going to have more fun. So like if you're not, then somehow it's a, like it feels threatening to them. And so, yeah, there's a lot that goes on and it's hard because people do take it personally. Like, well, you're not going to try my my pie, you know, you're going to have my cake. Why aren't you eating cake? And then all of a sudden you have to defend your eating choices or your drinking choices. Mm-hmm. And it can get a lot, you know, and obviously we can never control how pe- people's own sensitivities around it. So I love the idea of, hey, like, let's have a conversation ahead of time. Do we, do we need to leave? Are we going to leave before dessert? Maybe, you know, I think some of these things are, I think for all of us who want to, you know, have mindfulness around eating and drinking, at some point we do want to get to the point where it doesn't matter, you know, but if you're in the beginning stages of learning moderate eating and mindful eating and you're the early stages of sobriety, yeah, you're going to have to have some boundaries in place and you're going to have to be like, hey, I got to leave before dessert or you know what, I'm just going to come for like an hour and a half and then I got to bounce. It's just too much. And I think it's okay to honor that as you're getting to the point of like mindfulness. I know for me with the eating stuff especially was really hard at the beginning. I remember having like to think about it so much and, okay, I'm going to have, you know, a whey protein shake before I go. And then, okay, I know that's going to be there. And I had a lot, I was like managing a lot, you know, you're kind of like managing a lot until you get to the point of mindfulness where you can take just a bite of something. And, and if someone brings in a pie, it's not like the only thing you can think about at the table and there has to be. So if you're in that place, don't feel bad about removing yourself if you need to with the the idea that eventually you will get to the point where that stuff isn't as impactful for you. Yeah. I love that because it does. you do have to f- figure it out for life, right? You can't just avoid all the scenarios yeah. all the time. But you, like what you said is so true. It's at the beginning, it can be really tough. It can be triggering and harder. And it's just to be aware of it going into it. And also um, to be aware of it. And if you quote, fuck up, whatever that means to you, that it's not the end of the yes. world and you can just get back on it. You know, we talk about this with, it's like, if you had one flat tire, do you sm- do you slash all the other tires? Like, no, you just move on the next day and know that these holidays are generally one day, one event, one dinner, one party, and then you go on with your life. And so there might be three or four during the entire season, but that's not enough to ruin your entire life. So it's also a, a chance to have a little self-compassion and forgiveness for yourself in making mistakes or not being perfect or eating something off plan or, you know, having something you didn't mean to, but then just learning from it and moving forward. Yeah. I love that you said that because I think it's so easy to just be like, the holidays are here and just be like, mm-hmm. fuck it, you know, cause you're just like, well, I can't control any of this. So, and it's almost just mentally easier to do that. You know, it's just mentally at first you just go, well, it's just going to be a shit show for the next six weeks. Like it's just easier in a way to do that, but that's not really what you want. And so yeah. I love that you said it's like one day. I think oftentimes we have this all or nothing mentality. So we go, ah, it starts at Thanksgiving or starts at even Halloween maybe. And we're like, ah, we had someone, our kids, you know, candy. And then, well, it's just like Thanksgiving's right in the corner. So why even try to start doing something? When, if you think about it, like every health decision matters, right? It's all cumulative. So, you know, it's possible to literally just like eat too much Halloween candy one day, then wake up and like have a salad the next day and like get right back on a moderate mindful eating plan the next day. But for some reason we don't do that. We're like, well, it's ruined. 
and then we just make it mean that like we're just off now. When in real yeah. in reality, it takes the same amount of effort to just choose a salad or choose lean pro- like veggies and protein and like good stuff that it does. You know, uh, and by the way, not to restrict yourself, but like to have something that's like healthy but also tastes delicious. And it takes the same amount of effort than to just be like, fuck it, I guess I'm off. I just know how bad it feels like eventually, right? How bad it feels to just be off for six weeks. And then you're like, you get to January 1st and you're like, fuck. Like you just feel like you have so far to go to even just get back to baseline. So I would – and I love that you mentioned that. Treat every individual holiday like a one-day thing, right? What's happening today? Now, that doesn't mean it's like – it doesn't need to be like a cheat meal, like balls out, like because the next day everything's off limits. Still eat cake the next day. You know, so don't make the mistake of being like, well, I have to really indulge the today because as soon as tomorrow, I don't, all the stuff's gonna be off limits. I always call it like, we call it in moderation 365, the promise of future deprivation. When we have Mm. this like, oh, I can't be eating this. I'm bad when I'm eating this. We eat everything because we know the next day we can't have, quote unquote, can't have that food. When in reality, you could have any food anytime. And so then all of a sudden it kind of loses its charge. doesn't feel so like I got to make the most of this we call it special occasion syndrome, like make the most of this day because I can't have apple pie any other time besides Thanksgiving. It's like, that's not true either. And so it really is more of a mindful, moderate approach. But again, that takes practice. So I love that you mentioned self-compassion though. I think that's a big thing. And and they've actually shown in research that (laughs) if we can show ourselves kindness, we actually end up being more compliant to healthy eating or the thing that we want to do because we're not so muddied up with the guilt and the shame and the the self-loathing and the the embarrassment of, of overeating. We're just like, fuck it, moving on, right? I'm human. Let's just mm-hmm. keep, let's move on. What's next? And yeah. so I think the ability to move on quickly too is really valuable. Yeah. It's such a good practice. This is such a good time for self-compassion in general, for stress, for being able to say no without guilt, for being able to choose what you want to do or what you need to do, for protecting your own mental health, protecting your own finances, protecting whatever you need to protect. And it can feel like a lot of pressure from from online to your actual family to expectations of the world or your partner or spouse. And so just a good time in general to have a little bit of compassion for yourself and just make it through instead of white knuckling it through. That's how I used to be. I used to feel like I just had to white knuckle it through the holidays. Like I just have to get through these two months and like hold my breath. And now it's just, now I'm able to say no more often, not feel guilty. I just don't really do gifts for people too. Right. Um, That's a good point. You know, we had, I had a friend who just who brought over a present for us last year um, and I didn't know her really well. And I, for a moment, I'm like, oh shit, now I have to get her a gift. And I was just like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And then I was just like, we just don't, we don't do gifts for people. Cause I, I, I'm like, oh my God. Then suddenly the list, who do I get gifts for? Who do I not? Even, even the gift buying turns into a whole thing. And so it's okay too to just say, "Hey, we don't we don't do gifts, um, but appreciate it. Thank you for mine." I mean, I don't know what else to do or say, but it's you know, if you feel like that's too much too, then opt out. There's no requirement that you have to buy everybody at your office something, or you have to buy everybody in your family something, or any of those. All of these rules we get to make up, and it might feel weird or shitty to you. Um, but that's okay. You can serve the discomfort of it or you can decide exactly like, hey, I only do gifts for family just because that's our policy and and really appreciate, you know, the friends. But just figure okay. out what you need to do for you. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause that can be like add even more stress. And I know for some people they love giving gifts. And like if that's you, that's great. I think most people who do love giving gifts, they know 
that they do yeah. and they go, they don't expect it in return. I think for the most part, people know like I just love giving gifts because that's just my love language or that's just how I like to show people appreciation or recognize them. But I also know that not everyone's like that. And so, yeah, I love that example too. Yeah. It's a good one. I know that this is, um, it is a, it can be a really stressful time and it can be a time uh, I want to just like challenge you guys to look at this as a time to practice some of the things that you probably know that you need to be implementing like boundaries and honest communication and enforcing those boundaries and letting the people in your life see your authentic self and really just practicing everything from mindfulness and moderation and all these kind of things. It's a great practice ground. You know, it's from like a, a meta example is a lot of my clients have a lot of people who sign up for their programs during the, the holidays. Like it's yep. it's a great time to to have a coach in your corner who can help you navigate some of these things. Or like Danny mentioned earlier, going, you know, having a therapist you can walk through these things with. It's like tangible examples of you getting to practice. And I truly believe that these are the moments where, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about honest communication and authenticity and uh, you know, all these things. It's like this is the time you get to practice. So when you think about it and you're like, yeah, intellectually I get that. There's going to be scenarios, and I'm speaking just as much to, to myself as I am to you guys. There's opportunities for us to practice what you preach, right? So if we say, okay, self-compassion is something I want to practice. Yeah. When there's a moment to practice it, you practice it. If you say to yourself, I want to have a better relationship with my family member. Okay, cool. There's an opportunity to be honest and show them who you really are. Then like rubber meets the road. What do you decide to do in those moments? So I kind of like this. To me, it is, it's like, cool. We listen to these podcasts and we do all the self-development work. And then like now we really get to go in and really practice what you preach. So go in and uh, have, your, have all your tools in your tool belt. Come back and share with us how everything goes. We wish you luck. Love it. Well, happy holidays, y'all. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy whatever holidays there are. And um, we'll see you on the next episode. Right. Bye, guys. Bye.